It's time for the Hockey Minute, your source for all your hockey news and some opinion. Strap in for the fastest news in the NHL. This episode is proudly brought to you by... Absolutely nobody. We don't have any sponsors. Now here's your hosts, Brandon and Ryan. And here we are. Welcome back to another edition of the Hockey Minute. I am your host, Brandon. With me, as always, my co-host, Ryan. And today we've got a great interview lined up with Sean from the Clappercast. But first, please rate and subscribe on Apple. It really helps us grow the show. And as always, you can keep up to date with everything we've got going on from fantasy hockey to detailed game breakdowns at thehockeyminute.com. All right, before we get into our interview with Sean, let's check in with my co-host, the man with the meatiest calves in the West. Ryan, how you doing, man? Oh, buddy, I'm just, I'm shrinking away. I haven't been at the gym in like a week. Uh, I did get back from the Okanagan, though. I got a nice sunburn, which uh, I'm 50-50 on if it'll turn into a tan. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited, though. We, we've got uh, some hockey to talk about. We've got a great interview lined up. Uh, how are you doing? Oh, buddy, I'm great. Uh, we just finished uh, seeing the end of that uh, Tampa-Columbus game that went to fifth, uh, the fifth overtime. So I'm, uh, I'm feeling better than those guys look, that's for sure. They look insanely tired. So, oh, yeah. But uh, I'm pretty happy to get to our interview here. So, um, yeah, let, let's get to it. Sean is the co-host of the Clappercast and a die-hard, lifelong Oilers fan who grew up in the Edmonton area, but is now surviving in Canuck territory on Vancouver Island. Uh, Sean always wanted to be involved in hockey, and since professional bench warmers aren't the position, he eventually turned to the media side and started a fan-run podcast with Burke, his co-host and friend from university days. So, Sean, welcome to the cast, man. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on here. Yeah, I, I thought I'd get us started with a little bit of uh, trivia to, just to get us warmed up. So, here comes the first one. Uh, which goalie is the number one all-time for points, even passing Martin Brodeur, who holds just about every other goalie category? Ooh, this is a good one. Would be Patrick Waugh, would it? No. All-time for points. I feel like this would be like Marty Turco, like a good puck-handling goalie. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good guess. I, I never would have got this, honestly. It's a Tom Barrasso. Oh, okay. A little bit before my time. Yeah, yeah, me yep, too, man, yep. me too. <laughs> All right, on to number two. Who holds the record for most points in a game and how many? Daryl Sittler with 10, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Six goals, four assists, 1976. Yeah. All right, number three. Who won the first ever Conn Smythe Trophy as the MVP of the playoffs? Oh, man. What year did the Conn Smythe come in? 65. 65, okay. So that's probably a Montreal Canadian. I'm going to say Ken Dryden. You're on the right track. I'm trying to think who was on the Habs roster those years. Was that like post Richard or like is it Beliveau? John Beliveau, exactly. Hey. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. So, Sean, uh, thank you again for joining us. We do need to do a post-mortem here on your beloved Oilers. Uh, oh, yeah. It was a tough, tough playing around against the Blackhawks. What did you see from this playoffs that uh, might explain why they fell short? So, basically, one of the main things I saw is that you know, over the last 10 years, one of the kind of jokey answers or jokey associations with Jonathan Taves is like those intangibles. And that's ultimately what propelled Chicago over Edmonton is that the Blackhawks came into this series prepared. They were intense. They were engaged right from the beginning. Edmonton wasn't. They had the offense there. They were, you know, offensively available, but the defense was not. They were completely disengaged. They were missing assignments, dropping checks. They were just letting passes right through. And Chicago took advantage of that. How many times in that first game especially did Chicago have uh, someone come in from the point on the weak side and get set up for a one-timer in the high slot? You know, it's stuff like that it's kind of explains where Chicago excelled and took over or took advantage of Edmonton. So, I mean, it's, it's a hockey-mad fan base at Edmonton. Is it fair to see that the, the criticisms leveled at goaltending, Darnell Nurse, and, and some of the other forwards? Yeah, so, I mean, 
over the like Edmonton players get constantly lambasted by the media and the fans. Um, I think, I think Darnell Nurse was quite accurate in his own interpretation of it. Is that there wasn't there was a lack of intensity. I think the fans are rightfully pointing frustrations at Darnell Nurse at the team for their lack of intensity. Um, the goaltending, I'm not so concerned about because, like, when you don't have the defense to really cover the goalie, it's they can only do so much, right? It's calling for massive trades and changes. It might be a bit overkill, but I think that I think the the frustrations are properly directed in in those directions. You know what? You, you hit you touch on it a little bit there. Uh, every year for the last handful of years, it's been you got to fire Chiarelli, you got to fire the coach, you got to trade this, you know, trade Lucic. Well, they do all that stuff and they still fall short. Yeah. And you're not going to trade McDavid or Drysaddle or Nugent Hopkins. You're not going to trade Clefbaum. Even I mean, I like Darnell Nurse, but uh, it seems like people want him gone too. What what more can this team do in in terms of turnover before? like things start clicking i mean do you think there's going to be a ton of offseason moves or is it just going to be we lost let's just move on and and try again next year so i think the amount of turnover that there's been year per year over the last decade is actually one of the reasons why there's continually more turnover that there's never any consistency to actually build a system build some chemistry that you see in the teams that have had a longer term coach like when chicago was good with with quenville and they had a lot of the same core coming back um, Edmonton doesn't have that. They've been changing coaches every two years. They've been changing GMs every three or four years. And the amount of roster turnover every three years is just insane. So I think, especially with this being the first year of Ken Holland and Dave Tippett, I think they deserve at least one more chance to kind of develop a little bit as a team. So especially with the defense that like a lot of their defensive core is mid twenties right now. That's kind of right before they hit their primes, right before they hit their, their peak as players. Give Tippett and the coaching staff a year to show them how to play NHL-level defense and see what happens. If by the end of next season it's still having the same problems, then make some changes to bring more experienced or more suitable defensemen in to teach and to fill those roles. Given that Edmonton is such a volatile hockey market, and I mean, if they've been in, in such turmoil for so long, you can kind of understand it. Can you really see Ken Holland kind of sitting on his hands and seeing how it plays out? Because I can just imagine that going terribly if, the, at, the, if at the end of the year... Uh, you know, it's not going the way they want. They're going to be calling for his head again and saying you should have made moves. You should have gotten rid of Cassian and Larson and all these guys and tried to, to um, you know, shore up the the bottom six and the, and the bottom pairings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the one spot that I do see moves needing to be made is in that bottom six forwards that they still don't have much of a contribution there and they still have a little, uh, quite a few holes in that spot. Um, on the defensive end, the, the one move I can see made is probably trying to move someone like Darnell Nurse because he's going to want quite a bit more money than he might be worth in terms of what he contributes to the team. And uh, a spot where he plays right in the middle of the lineup could be a good one to bring someone who plays defense the way you want him to um, on that roster. Well, we uh, Brandon knows a lot about the 2016 draft and uh, how poorly the Canuck selection was. Uh, Edmonton picked Yessi Pugliarvi, fourth overall in that draft. Do you think he would have made a difference in this series, or is this... Like it, would it have mattered? And, and do you think he's going to get moved this offseason? Because it seems like he's taken his ball back to Finland and he's just going to wait it out. I am I actually have absolutely no idea what is going to happen with Pugliarvi. <laughs> Honestly, like, I thought maybe when, when Holland came in that, you know, Ken would be able to talk, uh, talk Jesse into giving the team another try. Didn't really happen. It seems like the talks are still going on and that he might maybe next season or like in December, whenever the next season starts, 
um, come back for, for another stint. But a player like him, if he's on his game and if he plays, if he can play like he has in Finland over the past year, he would have absolutely made a difference because they would have been able to put him on a scoring line. And he is actually a decent hockey player. He's a big winger who can shoot. And that, that's kind of something that would have helped Edmonton like throughout the whole year, especially in that series. Do you think that he'll get moved potentially, though? I've heard, uh, well, I mean, Canuck fans seem to think Oldie Olevi would be a good trade one for one, but also Ranger fans are saying uh, Lias Anderson, who also decided to just not show up <laughs> to New York, uh, that that might be another trade. I mean, do you see him landing in one of those destinations, or is it just going to be whoever offers the best package? I think I've heard about that Anderson trade a lot. Um, I think it kind of makes sense as to struggling prospects who are not happy with the organizations they're in, you know, give them a straight swap and see what happens. Um, I could see a team like Ottawa or even Colorado wanting to make a play on someone like that as they've shown they, they can t- kind of take on those, you know, in air quotes here, uh, reclamation projects where they take in guys who are struggling or kind of underperforming somewhere. They bring them in, fit them into a new system and they succeed. So I could see like Ottawa, Colorado being a potential destination for them as well. Ryan, man, you're, you're going to have to keep up with the Canucks here because most Canucks fans now, after seeing Ole Ulevi play for six minutes in a recent game, are picking him for the Calder next year. <laughs> <laughs> Norris Ulevi. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, we're, a, we're a volatile fan base over here. But uh, just in terms of the Oilers, I mean, obviously you're sad to see them get knocked out, but was there almost a sense of relief when the Oilers didn't win the lottery? Because, I mean, I'm sure there would have been the rest of the league just hating you for eternity. I got to be honest, I was hoping for Edmonton, Pittsburgh, or Toronto to win it just because I wanted that chaos card. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to see what would happen. I wanted to see how mad everyone would be. Like, I didn't want Lafreniere to go to any of those teams. I just wanted to see, like, everyone so pissed off at it. Were you happy to see that the Rangers ended up... Uh getting that first pick not particularly they were kind of like one of my least interesting teams to get that i was kind of looking for like a winnipeg or even minnesota could have been fun to have a, a highly offensive player that was actually my pick was a uh, mini i figured there's such a hockey crazy market and they were, they've never had even a, a calder candidate let alone a calder winner and with such a good defensive structured team i really yeah. thought it would have been neat to see lafreniere there no well, it gives them a star player right like they've never had i mean aside from like gabarik they've never had like that type of big name yeah offensive dynamo type player yeah exactly so what are your thoughts on on the rest of the playoffs i mean are there any matchups that you're following closely i'm really interested in the colorado arizona series um i think colorado is just a fun team to watch with all of their offensive firepower but i'm also interested in arizona for a couple of reasons uh one so we can see those kachina jerseys back in action again as much as possible and two so that we can see if this new found offense they have can kind of help the team take the next step, go to the next level. Because it's kind of been a struggle point for them over the last few years, being unable to score more than two goals a game. And it doesn't really seem like Kessel is helping all that much. Like, I know he's getting some assists and stuff like that, but I watched most of those games, and he's fairly invisible, yeah. right? It seems like they're doing it by committee yeah. still, even though they have those star players. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's kind of their team system. So it was mm-hmm. decent to see uh, uh, Taylor Hall and even Michael Grabner contribute a little bit more prominently. Who do you have uh, for the cup finals? Uh, I believe my bracket's uh, Colorado and Philly, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Carter Hart Nathan versus Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. Who do you think comes out on top in that? I've got Colorado. Okay. <laughs> on the bench with Beaks right now is just so excited that you uh, you, you picked their team. <laughs> Making friends. <laughs> 
Uh, it's, it's called pandering. We don't have any flyer podcasts uh, that we know of. So, yeah, that's a, that's a fair bet. Flyers, is a, I think, they're a pretty good pick, though. I mean, AV is such a good playoffs uh, coach, and it, it seems like he's got Philly really ready to go. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him in there. They started that play in round, or that round robin so, so hot. Like, yeah. they were so good, and especially getting a first-round matchup like Montreal. I mean, it's not the strongest team to play against, but they could they could potentially dominate a little bit more where Pittsburgh couldn't. Well, and see, that's my thing is the Flyers came out and they 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 were the only round robin team that looked like they were trying. Yep. But then we've seen them in the past and they just they come out hot and then they just they falter. Yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously, this is an unconventional year, unconventional circumstances, but. I'm kind of waiting to see. I mean, the the question mark for the last 15 years was goaltending in Philly, and now they have the goaltender. It's just a matter of can everybody else play. But that's not a bad pick, though. I mean, they they do give me uh, a little bit of worry as a Caps fan for sure. So you you co-host the Clappercast, which is yes. an excellent podcast with your friend Burke. Uh, when did you guys decide to start that up? So uh, we were kind of hitting the end of university, and uh, you know, him and I had been friends for a few years through that. So he had kind of been approached on online somewhere about another. Uh, starting another podcast with someone else and he kind of learned a little bit about it and thought a bit about it and then he threw the offer over to me and I was like at the time I had worked in uh, digital marketing and was able to you know set up a lot of the back-end stuff to get that going and I mean his parents at the time had like a recording studio to with all the mics and stuff set up right to make it easy so we were able just to you know hop right in and get some get something going and I mean we had both been major hockey fans this entire time we spend half our time talking about hockey, making stupid jokes, and we're like, "Why not? Why not? Why not just like record it and put it out?" Because we both want to do something like this, and with both of us always kind of wanting to work in hockey, like, why not give it a shot and uh, force ourselves into the market, so to speak? Yeah, we've uh, like Brandon and I, and obviously our crew as well, Jules and, and Mark and Matt as well. We all have so much fun doing this. What's your favorite thing about recording the podcast? It's, it's like forcing myself to stay involved in hockey and putting like my interest and passion into something creative, something productive in that way that I, I'm actually creating something and I'm putting it out there for other people to, to see and to be like, hey, this is this is mine. Like, this is what I'm doing. I mean, like I know on, on my end, it almost would feel like a waste to spend so much time watching and analyzing hockey and then just talking to nobody about it, right? <laughs> like, you have all this information, or at least you think you do, and it's like, ah, it's got to go somewhere. Yeah, right? It's Otherwise, you're just basically talking to a brick wall, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I do. Brandon's wife's like, geez, Brandon, okay, like, you know... <laughs> Enough. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned before uh, off air that Burke's a Capitals fan. What does he yep. think about the Caps this season? Are they going to be uh, poised for a deep run, or are they going to break my heart like they always do? He's been he's been pretty high on them through the season. I think um, like they obviously they started really quick, and I mean Ovechkin's looking completely dominant again. Uh, he was through the regular season, and I think he was hoping and thinking they'd make a decent run, especially with having uh, Samsonov coming up in net, and some of the some of the defense had been looking good. Um, yeah, he was, he was pretty hopeful earlier on that they'd be, they'd be set up for another deep run. So if, if we could just pop back to the Oilers for one sec, I just, I want you to put your, your GM hat on for me and, uh, maybe just pop through the roster and tell me who you think actually has trade value on the team. Like Ryan and I touched on this a little bit in our previous podcast, but you know, like winning teams generally have players that go for over market value and, and losing teams have, have the opposite, right? So it's hard to sell low on a player, but who do you think that Ken Holland could actually move for like a reasonable return? So the thing with the Oilers roster right now is they actually have a decent surplus of defense, especially in the uh, prospect area. So there's a handful of guys looking at, like, say, Caleb Jones, Dmitry Samarukov, and, like, William Lajeson. 
um, some of those younger defensemen that might not actually have a spot on the main roster coming up, but they actually would have a lot of value to move to another team to kind of directly fill specific needs that Holland identifies. Hmm. You think Evan Bouchard is uh, making the team next year? Probably. He has a really good shot. He's looked pretty good. Um, even, even if he's not the most defensively sound guy right now, he has enough poise and enough offensive potential that you could stick him with, say, like Adam Larson and have him covered. Hmm. Well, and he looks like he's 35 years old, too. Right? He's a, he's a grizzled veteran, so I'm not giving a shot. <laughs> yeah. that, guy looks like, hey, that guy looks like he'd drop his kids off at elementary school and then, <laughs> and then drive to his London Knights game or wherever he played in the open. But, um, yeah, You're I mean, not wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's the truth because uh, I know actually that Ka- – uh, or not Caleb Jones, sorry, but Ethan Bear, man, that kid looks so poised oh, out there God. too. And, yeah. and for a team that's got Clef Baum as kind of their number one, Adam Larson and Darnell Nurse as their, their two and three, uh, that Bear, he just – he looks so yeah. ready to be uh, taking a next step. Yeah. Um, even though like the thing that the thing with bears, like he's only five eleven, he's not even 200 pounds, but he's so good positionally that he can still hmm. defend against guys who have three, four inches on him. That's it. And it, it works. Yeah. Well, that's like Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, right? Yeah. Like those are, that's kind of the new way that the defenseman play is just, if he can skate, doesn't really matter how big you are. And then yeah. if you can just be offensively sound, that, that seems to be uh, the new trend. Yeah. Like Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, are like modern day defensemen are kind of what, uh, what the new age game is going to be taking hold of. It's those smooth skating defenders who can make that, make that first pass, jump up in offense, those dynamic, dynamic players. Yeah, like that really makes me wonder what the future holds for those the bigger defensemen like the Aaron Ekblads and, and, and those guys that were drafted so high, but it, it already seems like the game is starting to pass them by a little bit speed-wise. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of the big one with like Griffin Reinhardt. Yeah. Bringing it right back. I mean, he was drafted as like that big, big physical defenseman, yeah, but exactly. by the time he was drafted and making his play in pro hockey like that type of defenseman had been like you said passed by do you uh i'm just thinking back to the uh the oilers that 2015 that uh, you mentioned griffin reinhardt yeah. they traded that pick uh, <laughs> looking back they could have had one of barzell or shabbat uh do you think that's something that uh maybe held the franchise back a bit they already had mcdavid from that draft that, that second first rounder could have really been a, a real player for them yeah no i mean that's totally totally fair question but i uh i've looked into this in the past and it turns out uh the the records that are accounts that are coming out from like scouts and stuff are that the oilers were actually going to take um joel erickson eck the guy who uh, went to minnesota oh wow. okay so that they weren't they weren't actually even looking at like shabbat and barzell oh god <laughs> yeah but I mean, to be like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, if you could have picked up a guy like Shabbat in that draft, yeah, like that would have set that would have brought them so much more forward because he would have immediately already been their number one defenseman by far. Yeah, that's really interesting about it. Like, I, I mean, Erickson Eck probably doesn't get enough credit for being a really strong defensive forward, though, right? And, and no. that's something that Edmonton definitely could have used. I mean, that would have been the third line center. You could keep Nuge on first or second wing, right? Yep. Yep. No, that's actually a good point. That's, uh, you know, yeah, he. He might get overlooked in that in that regard, but it's definitely a solid player at this point. Yeah. And uh, if you have someone like him, you know, anchoring down a third line, then you know, sure you might have spent some mid first round p- draft pick on him. But you know, you've you've got a like a solid role player right there. There's no no shame in that. You, you touched on it a, a little bit earlier, but just uh, specifically, like who are some Oilers prospects that you're you're looking forward to seeing the most? Yeah. So in terms of Oilers prospects that are looking good, I mean, obviously we've got Evan Bouchard and Philip Broberg. Um, Broberg looked phenomenal in the training camp that got him into a spot on the team and the playing around there. Um, He looked well, 
he looked well beyond his years in terms of how he was playing. Um, Bouchard's like that kind of that offensive defenseman who could be quite valuable on the Oilers blue line because they don't have someone who's really capable of putting up 40, 50 points from the, from the back end. Um, Raphael Lavoie as well. He's a pretty big, uh, pretty big forwards. They drafted a couple years back, I think, or even last year, but he's, He's got a shot. He could be a pretty like a kind of like a modern day power forward in a sense where he's like six foot four, two hundred pounds already, and he's like nineteen. And uh he's got a really good shot and he could be quite a valuable piece to put on on a line with like McDavid. He could be someone to actually who can play hockey to be on that line. Not a big Cassian fan then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he dropped big time. I was going to say that Lavoie kid, I remember they, they talked about him being like a mid-first rounder last year, and he fell all the yeah. way to 38th overall. So 30, uh, 73 points in 62 games in his draft year, and then the Oilers snagged him. So, yeah, I mean, uh, with a competent uh, coaching staff and GM now, they, that he might actually pan out. Exactly. That's. I mean, if they can get some player development, some actual player development, and start turning some of these prospects into players, that'd be that'd be huge for filling those holes because you, you can only, like, pick and pick and plug so many players out of free agency for a team before they just don't function well together. So what, what's the, the general fan sentiment around the Oilers after their kind of disappointing postseason play? It's very, uh, very mixed. So, you know, there's some like myself, I'm not terribly disappointed. I'm not overly surprised or like mad or angry or anything. Um, there's obviously like the emotional backlash, like we were talking about earlier coming out against um, guys like nurse but I think, I mean, it's emotional and dedicated fans, right? So they're going to be, they're going to be strong, strong-willed and angry and frustrated after you know ten years of, ten years of watching this team struggle. Yeah. Um, but I think I think there's more understanding or at least recognition that the team is, you know, we say this every year, so it doesn't mean a whole lot at this point. But you know, turning a corner, so to speak in terms of having a decent regular season and, you know, having like, for example, their special teams completely turn around from year over year compared to the previous season. Mm -hmm. And, you know, actually having like a positive goal differential for a year and, you know, finishing second in the division, like it's all, all decent stuff. And, you know, hopefully with a more consistent roster, consistent coaching staff over in a couple of years, then some of these young players will actually turn into full NHLers. I mean, this is kind of a, a second part of that question, I guess. Like, can you ever see McDavid's <laughs> sentiment turning the other way towards the Oilers and him looking <laughs> for a, a ticket out to, you know, yep. Toronto or wherever, you know, Arizona, the quiet market, wherever he happens to go? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely can. I think uh, there's a lot of talk about this middle of this season, probably, where it's kind of like McDavid. There's like some rumors, some random stuff that, you know, it's, who knows if it's even verified or not, but just that, you know, if the team doesn't turn things around in a few years, then McDavid's going to start wanting to look at for, for an opportunity elsewhere. Hmm. But I can absolutely see even, you know, if they can't turn it around, then of course, you know, a guy like him, he's, he's a competitor. He wants to win. And if the team, if the Oilers won't build a team to allow him to do that, then he's going to want to go find somewhere else. I, I just like how Brandon thinks Toronto of all places is where McDavid's going to go. Like that's where he's from. What would they trade him for though? Matthews? 
Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking down the road. No, I've, 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 I wasn't putting anything in, in terms of a trade together. I just figured in markets he might want to play in. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even like you, tr- you can't trade a guy like that. And never come out even like. No. You, you, you get a whole bunch of first or first round picks and a couple of prospects, and mm. <laughs> that's about all you can get, really. So Matthews for McDavid confirmed. <laughs> that would be an interesting one. Salary's about equal, so yeah, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not the same player, but the salary's about there. All right, well, Sean, man, thank you for coming on the show. We'd love to have you back down the road, obviously. Um, as we mentioned, you one half of the, the ClapperCast. Uh, where can people listen to you and Bert? Yeah, so you can find our podcast, the ClapperCast Hockey Podcast, on our website, ClapperCast.com. Um, we're pretty much on all the main podcast platforms. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Player FM, YouTube, Anchor. For example, there's others as well beautiful you, you had that front of mind you're ready to go i mean for us we just like yeah find us wherever you can find us i don't know <laughs> <laughs> you know i thought about that because that's my usual uh just you know whatever whatever platform you listen to but it's like here we'll throw some specifics down <laughs> beautiful <laughs> all right well sean thanks again for coming on the podcast thanks everybody for listening from ryan and brandon we'll catch you next time on the hockey minute We'd like to take a second to thank you, the listener, for joining us. And a big thanks goes to our writers and production team, Jules, Mark, and Matt. We couldn't do this without you. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Hockey Minute, as well as leaving voicemails on our anchor page, at Hockey Minute. And always make sure to subscribe to whichever platform you listen to your podcast. That's going to do it for us. This is Brandon and Ryan. We'll talk to you next time on The Hockey Minute. I'll trip over my words 14 times, so we're good to go.